Welcome to the Courage 1000 Project, where each week we bring you inspiring stories from courageous individuals about the moments and experiences that have shaped their lives. I'm your host, Melies the Story Collector, author, speaker, trainer, facilitator, videographer, award-winning photographer and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help deep-feeling women reclaim their confidence, joy and purpose in life from a world that overwhelms their hearts, minds and souls. And this journey... It starts with courage. You see, after a lifelong struggle with my own identity, I discovered the core principle to reclaiming your life was courage. And it made me curious. Were there others like me? Were there others who had reclaimed their life through the secret of courage? What was courage for them? What did it look like? And where were their stories? And with that, the Courage 1000 Project was born. We're digging up the archives and bringing to you season one of the Courage 1000 project. Originally a web TV show and now available across all your favorite platforms. Let's get into it. Welcome to Melias the Story Collector Web TV, where each week we bring you inspiring stories from courageous individuals about the moments and experiences that have shaped their lives. In today's show, we have the beautiful Tessa sharing with us her journey from grief to happiness after losing her husband, Mike, many years ago. I am quite passionate about sharing my story and I'm very open with my story because I want people to realize that they're absolutely not alone. Because I think with grief, um, one of the reactions is, you know, you've lost something, you feel very alone. So by sharing it, um, it just really helps people. Well, actually, I've got three reasons for sharing. I, I share, in fact, I was writing a blog at one stage about grief and on the blog I said why I was doing it. Number one was because by sharing it, by writing about grief, I found it very therapeutic. It really helped me move through it. It was just amazing. So I was doing it for myself. Secondly, I wanted to share about grief because I wanted to help people. I wanted them to know they weren't alone. And I then had a very personal third reason, and that is um, that, uh, well, to cut a long story short, my mother ended up committing suicide. Oh, no. And I think one of the reasons she committed suicide was because years and years and years and years before, her younger brother got killed and she never processed her grief. She wasn't allowed to process that it, it was suppressed. And... So the ramifications and ripple effect of that was just ginormous to the for the end result being she killed herself. So, so you know, that's very personal. So that's why I'm just, you know, I'm very open about grief and encouraging people to express their grief, don't suppress, express. And, yeah, so, yeah, so... So that probably was more, more of an answer than you expected. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love the big answers because that shows your heart. That shows why you're passionate about sharing this particular story. Hmm. Now, where does your story start? Who did you lose? Wow. Uh, my husband. So we'd been married for 27 years and he was diagnosed just 
very suddenly with brain cancer. He had a seizure on November the 9th, 29th, 2012. And exactly 12 months later, November the 29th, 2013, we had his celebration service. He, you know, he died. So it's just, I just plunged into grief, which, you know, nobody can prepare you for it. Nobody can describe it. It's indescribable. Uh, the death of a partner or a spouse. I mean, each death, you know, death of a friend, of a father or mother. I mean, I've lost both my parents. But the grief of losing my husband, my soulmate, you know, part of my identity almost, it just, um, it was just unbelievable. It was just the most awful thing I could ever imagine and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Awful, 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 awful. <laughs> it's hard to even think about it without tearing up. So, yeah, I couldn't imagine what you'd gone through. And, you know, and I'm just surprised, um, I'm pleased, but I'm surprised I came out of it because when I was in the depths of it, you know, I just thought there was no way out of it. Um, just, I couldn't see any light at all in the, in the very, very dark tunnel. But I've got very good friends and um, people and just things that happened um, that really pulled me through, you know, slowly. But I got there. And now I live in Bali. <laughs> <laughs> so what was one of those things that pulled you through that helped you cope with that grief? Um, a big, big one was after, at the fifth month point, I had a total meltdown, complete, utter, just couldn't stop crying. Um, I was just, you know, I, I just didn't even want to get out of bed. I was just, I just completely just melted it. And I ended up um, at that stage going to see a grief counsellor because I realised I needed grief counselling. <laughs> so, and uh, my grief counsellor, Anne, who I am forever grateful to, she said to me, Tessa, will you do one little thing for me? And I said, well, as long as it's only little. <laughs> and she said, okay. She said, when you wake up in the morning, get up, put some clothes on and walk across the road. And I, and I said, well, and then what? And she said, well, you can turn around if you like and go back to bed. And I went, oh, that's all right. I can do that. <laughs> so, so next morning, woke up, got up, put some clothes on, walked across the road, turned around, went back to bed. Next day, did the same thing, did that for a few days. And I think it was, I can't remember how many days into it, but it was, it was a particularly nice sunny day. So, you know, I was there, I was across the road and I thought, you know, it's quite a nice sunny day out here. Why don't I just keep walking? And I just went for a walk. I went, wow. So that's how I just, how the journey started really. That moment of her asking me to just do one little thing and just the ripple effect of that started my journey to recovery and the journey to my focus which is now actually uh happiness so i yeah so it's all from that her asking me to do one little thing wow wow so how else did you cope with that grief then 
Uh, I drank a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> understandable, understandable. <laughs> In fact, that was my crutch. I couldn't wait. At least I waited till five o'clock, you know, and then I would drink wine because I was thinking wine would just numb everything, just numb it out. And also I would just pass out and, you know, hoping I'd never wake up again. Uh, so wine was a crutch, but you know, I've got something to tell you about that. It doesn't work. <laughs> so yeah. I stopped doing that after a while. So no, um, but in all seriousness, you know, it wasn't something like quick or immediate. It was the support of wonderful, wonderful friends. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, just people who just checked in to see how I was and just did little things. It wasn't the big things. Um, just, I had a friend, uh, an amazing friend, you know, well, I had lots of amazing friends who really helped, but I mean, Anne Louise, my friend said, 24 by seven, if you want to, you can come over to our place. Just don't even ring, just come over, knock on the door, 24 by seven. Just that to me was my crutch because I knew if it got really, really bad, I could go and knock on their door to the extent that they said to me they were going away for a weekend. And I was just absolutely just devastated because I thought, how am I going to get through the weekend knowing that if I do need it, I can't go knock on their door. And I th that weekend for me was really, really hard. But the funny thing is, you know, I never took them up on their offer. I never did go and knock on their door, but it was the fact that I knew I could. And I don't think Anne Louise realised how, how powerful uh, and how, how powerful that was when she said to me I could do that, even though I never did it. <laughs> yeah, just knowing that someone was there to support you if you needed it. Yes, yes. So, yeah, and, and Anne Louise is just one, of, you know, is just one of many, but that for me was huge. And the other thing too, Melly, which was amazing, is that at the worst, <clears throat> worst, 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 worst possible times, um, somebody would just ring me out of the blue. Somebody who I hadn't even heard from for years and years and years. Like, for example, I remember it was a lot, it was a holiday weekend. And holiday weekends, by the way, are the pits <laughs> when you're going through something like this. But I was just feeling really just total despair. And my phone goes, and it was this guy that I used to work with years and years ago who was living in Jakarta. And I answered the phone and he said, my wife told me that I had to call you right now. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> just, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, yeah. He'd never rang me before. I haven't heard from him since. <laughs> but he rang at the perfect time because yeah. his wife told him to. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you would have had a lot of people then just stepping in at that right time just to help you with whatever came up at that moment. Absolutely. It was just amazing. The, the people that would ring me at the right time. Yeah. Yep. So going back to the crutches that you said, so you've mentioned you had wine was a crutch and that it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> you had your friends who were a crutch, even if you didn't use them. How did you get yes. these crutches all together? How did you come back to you? Oh, um, the wine... I think I had the wine one because somebody eventually just was really quite rude to me about my drinking. And so I realised it was a problem. <laughs> and then challenged myself and stopped. Well, I haven't completely given up. I like Sauvignon Blanc, but 
um, I stopped drinking this heavily. Um, I think it was just really, it, it all came back to Anne telling me to do one little thing. Yeah. Everything led on, led on from there because I started having, started when I went for walks, I started to feel good and I was starting to sort of feel a little bit happy, heaven forbid. And I thought, gosh, I've had this happy, happiness, moment of happiness. Maybe there's other things that I could do um, to make myself happy. And um, if I can have one happy moment, I could have another one, another one, another one, and they could even roll together. And so I actually got really interested in what makes you happy. And I got really interested in, well, how do you get yourself to actually do these things? So I started to study happiness. I started to um, think about, you know, making habits. And in fact, I met a guy called BJ Fogg, uh, which I thought was funny because I was coming out of the fog and I met BJ Fogg. And BJ Fogg is a behaviour scientist. Um, and he's got, um, he's the world's leading behaviour scientist, in fact. And he's got this method for creating habits called the tiny habits method. So I got, I sort of started working with him. And so I suppose I kind of went, what got me out of it was that I was just really sort of going from being desperately unhappy, thinking I would never, ever be happy again, thinking it would be disloyal to be happy, thinking I didn't deserve to be happy, um, I was guilty of my husband dying, therefore I didn't deserve it. I went from, you know, that extreme, which is, is kind of extreme, right, to I really want to be happy and I'm going to really make that my, my, my passion and my, and my purpose is happiness. So I kind of flicked, really, and I really want to help other people be happy too. So, again, it's the other aspect of I was writing about grief and trying to help people with their grief. But the thing is, what I discovered, Melly, is I had really, really good intentions with wanting to help people with their grief. Um, however, by focusing on grief, I found that I was being stuck in it. Mm. And it was because what you focus on expands. So by focusing on grief, yes, I was helping people at that particular stage, but there does become a stage of your grieving process where it's not helpful to keep focusing on grief, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, so I thought, well, there's, but when people come out of, when they've gone through the really, really hard part of grief and they're ready for happiness, it's like, well, what do they, what do, they do? And that's really where my focus is now. So I've really, I've really changed my, my focus. Wow. And that's powerful that you can get stuck in your grief and that Very it becomes so. a cycle. If you don't end up making that choice to focus on happiness, the cycle repeats itself until you make that choice. So, yes, yeah, yes. to be there at that point in time to grab their hand and say, come on, we're not repeating this cycle. Let's go find joy again. That's huge. Precisely. Because what actually happened, how I really discovered that it's not good to focus on grief, um, you need to – no, I'm not – got to be careful here because it's so so important that you process grief yeah. do not suppress it process it but that but yes it's like after a period of time um you, when you've really gone through the worst of it and you've processed it then to change your focus what happened was 
um, a couple of years after my husband died, I decided on Facebook to do like a 14 day countdown to his anniversary of Mike's death. So, and each day I was going to um, say what positive thing I'd learned about grief because there are lots of positive lessons. So day 14, I posted a positive message of grief, you know, day 13, day 12, you know. So I was posting all these positive messages about grief, but the focus was my husband, this is 12, 14 days to my husband's anniversary of his death, you know, 11 days, 10 days. So, so by seven days into this, I couldn't get out of bed. I was so <laughs> depressed. Oh no. And I'm lying there going, what's going on here? I mean, I'm trying to share positive things about grief and positive lessons. But the thing is, my focus, even though I was trying to be positive about it, I was still focusing on grief. Mm, and not the, and what you, yeah. yes. And, and so what you focus on expands. Yeah. So hence, I was in bed. So I posted up on Facebook and said, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Can't, I'm not continuing this countdown till the anniversary because I, you know, I can't get out. <laughs> it's making me worse. <laughs> That's when I realised it's not good to focus on the grief. You know, yeah. after, after a certain point, it's just focus on. Okay, I'm at that point now where I'm ready to say essentially yes to happiness. Mm. That's huge. Just saying yes to happiness. And then having to overcome those emotions, like you said, of shame, guilt, being disloyal, all those things. Disloyal, yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. Disloyal. I thought it would just be, I could never be happy again because it would be disloyal. You know, it would mean I didn't love my husband enough. How could I possibly be happy without him? Yeah. That's huge. Do you think having a conversation with him before his death would have changed that grief cycle for you? If he uh, had have said no. no, if he had said what? Sorry. Like if he had have said something along the lines of "I want you to be happy," "I want you to find someone else," would that have changed? Oh my goodness! For you? Oh my husband, he told me all the time. He said when he was dying, he told me to get over it, stop crying. <laughs> 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 You'll be fine without me. You know, just go and live your life. You know, just have fun, enjoy it. So. He, he wanted me to do all those things, you know. Um, he said, stop crying, you know. <laughs> I need to go. I've got, I've got a job to go to now. Just, you'll be fine, you know. Just, uh, no, so he wasn't the problem. I was, I was it. Because we're, it's like when you've lost your partner or, you're, you know, with grief, it's words just don't, somebody, people can say anything they like to you, but it's not words. Your heart's broken. You are your heart is broken. So no words don't, yeah. don't fix it. It's like if you've broken your arm, for example, you've broken your arm, words aren't gonna fix your arm, are they? <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Would you say that happiness and joy is how you mend a broken heart? Oh, that's a really great question. A really great question. Because I look yes. at polar opposites, but you can't yes. experience joy without having experienced grief. So then if grief yes. is a broken heart, is joy the mending of that heart? Yes. Because the heart will always, your heart will bend, but it will be different. 
because as I said to somebody yesterday, it eventually gets to the place where where the where your heart okay, your heart is broken, but it eventually gets where you just they just have a very special place in your heart. So because they're always going to be with you. But yes, I think the joy and happiness actually helps mend the heart, but also keep them safely tucked away in your heart. Yeah. Yes. That's a really great question. So what do you feel is the biggest act of courage when you're dealing with grief? Is it that moment where you choose happiness or is it the moment when you're really in the grief and dealing with it? Well, the biggest act of courage is getting out of bed. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I hadn't considered that. Yes. It's really hard because, wow, I mean, like when you've lost your partner, it's like, what is the point? What is the point? So I used to just lie and be and think, well, what is the point? Why should I get up? Who cares? What for? Um, it was huge for me to get up, um, to get up and have a shower, put clothes on. I mean, that was just, that was mega. So, yeah. So that's the first one that I would say. But there's lots of them, but getting up and getting dressed. I mean, I had my neighbour almost bash my door down once because I, she knew I was in bed and wouldn't get up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that... Yeah face life again even though it's difficult yeah because you don't feel you have a life really because see that's the other interesting thing i've learned about happiness is that happiness has got two components happiness has got feelings you know when you're feeling joyful excited um grateful you know it's all those emotions so there's the emotions of happiness that's one aspect but the other aspect of um happiness is feeling that your life has got purpose and your life has got meaning. And that's a biggie because, yes, sure, you can do things like go for a walk in the sun and, you know, smell the roses and get those emotions. But it's like the meaning, what, what, is, what is the purpose of your life now? What is the meaning of your life? That's, that's really confronting and that's a biggie. Mm. Um, when, when you're in grief, that's, that's just knocks your socks off kind of material. That is big. Yeah. Um, it makes you question everything you had before then. And yes, then, well, this isn't what I thought my purpose was. Now this has changed me. So what is it? Yeah. Yep. Precisely. And my purpose was very much revolved around my husband. So yeah, just, it's like ripped away. I mean, just grief grief my goodness you you lose so much you lose the person you lose the identity your own identity because you can't go back to who you were before you got married that person doesn't exist you can't go back to the person that you were when you were married because that was very much about the two of you so you've really got to um recreate recreate yourself um and it's like well then, you know, it's like, who am I? <laughs> you know, you know, who am I? What am I here for? What's the meaning? What's the point? Why should I get out of bed in the mornings? Yeah. You know, um, it's you know, it's really confronting. So, what have you done then to find happiness? What are your happiness secrets? 
Oh, I've got lots of happiness secrets. <laughs> one of them is one of them is I live in my happy place now, which is Bali. It's a long story. Um, but my happiness secret is because I'm really passionate now about sharing happiness with others and helping other people say yes to happiness and, and go on that path to happiness. In fact, I'm called I call myself now the the uh, the happiness happiness pathfinder and my whole orientation now is around basically um, helping others uh, on their on their journey to happiness, particularly after a significant event has sucked it out of them. So I'm really, you know, I'm really, really, really passionate about that. If you are feeling stuck and overwhelmed right now and are struggling to find your courage, jump over to mellies.com.au to claim your free personalized insights and discover the three things you need to know to reclaim confidence, joy and purpose in your life.